Hi, and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. This is a special educator series where we speak with the finalists for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history. It's an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to research, interpret, and share the stories of the past. My name is Joanna Dawson, and today I'm speaking with Paul Patterson, a teacher at West Secondary School in Hamilton, Ontario. Inspired by the 150th anniversary of Canadian Confederation, Paul's students formed their own think tank to create a vision for Canada in the year 2070. Over the semester, they identified priorities for the country, researched the history of these topics, and developed detailed policy proposals. They created a website to showcase their papers online and shared their findings at a press conference. Thanks for speaking with me today, Paul, and congratulations on being a finalist for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your school and the students you teach? Okay. Um, so my background before I became a teacher uh, was in journalism, actually. And um, I left there to uh, get into teaching. And I got hired right away at uh, Westmount Secondary School in Hamilton. Westmount is a self-directed, self-paced program. So we're a little bit different than... Um, the other schools in, in Hamilton, in fact, different than most schools probably in Canada. Um, kids uh, learn at their own pace. They have um, the opportunity to explore interests of their own, to cover curriculum and, and that sort of thing. And it's really, uh, it's, really a, it, it's challenging in one regard, uh, but it's really interesting to see the kids sort of grasp hold of what it is they're interested in. So, um, so with the move in the direction of more self-direction and inquiry learning and that sort of thing, um, we tried a, a variety of different approaches with some level of success, and we've, we've had some, some pretty good response and, and that sort of thing to it. Um, so one of the things that is, is sort of, I don't know if you call it unique, but, but interesting about Westmount is that we're a system school. So we get kids from all over Hamilton who, who choose to to come there, um, and we do have a catchment area, and we get those kids as well. Uh, we have a tendency to be very uh, highly academic school, but we also have a sport academy. Um, it's not called sport academy anymore, but anymore. But um, so we have a, a variety of different um, needs. Um, we have a fair number of IEPs um, within the school. Some of them are identified gifted, and that was the class that I piloted this project with um, in my first semester. Um, but even with that, they have a lot of IEPs indicating that they're identified gifted, um, but they also have a bunch of other things sometimes that comes with that that are learning disabilities, um, uh, central processing, that sort of thing. So it's it's a really diverse, uh, individualized group, um, but a really fascinating group to, to teach. And the result is um, it's a very... I wouldn't go so far as to say it's an individualized um, program, um, but if a kid wants to go off in a particular direction, um, our program supports that. So that's that's sort of what Westmount's all about. Okay, wonderful. Before we go on, I'll just mention, um, you know, the work that the students created is very impressive and very in-depth and thorough. And um, if it's okay with you, we'll provide a link sure. to the website so everyone Absolutely. can look at them. Um, so just keep that in mind as you hear more from Paul and as, as he describes the work. And I encourage you to check it out. 
Um, so let's start with the sort of research papers mm -hmm. themselves and the policy proposals. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, the research that the students did and perhaps some of the questions that they were asking and a little bit more about that process? Sure. Sure. Um, the, the, so, the, so the basic idea behind this was it, 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 the germ um, started during the Canada 150 celebration and about halfway through this, the year um, I was feeling a little underwhelmed by the the celebration at, at, at the risk of, of angering people with the, at the uh, the one in the 150 group um, I, I, did, I felt it was an awful lot of celebration and a lot of um, you know uh, parties and that sort of stuff but but there really I didn't see an awful lot of focusing on what does it mean to be a Canadian and where are we going now right like are we and, and I I had this sort of nagging thing that was bugging me like we're still celebrating things that happened. 50 60 70 years ago and and what have we you know like what have you done for us lately kind of thing um and then i was reading there was a uh, canadian history magazine's 150 um commemorative edition and there was an article in there by general romeo dallaire that absolutely encapsulated how i was feeling about the whole the whole thing and i thought He's absolutely right. And he talked about, you know, where are we as far as sort of identifying what our priorities are for the next 50, 100, 150 years. So with that kind of as my, um, the bee in my bonnet, I guess, um, I, I created this, this course and I went in and I, I challenged the students to um, figure out what is what problems does Canada face. Um, it ties in very much to one of my sort of one of the, the mantras, I guess, that, that has been given to to us as teachers, and that is, um, you know, don't don't ask a kid what he wants to learn. Ask him what what problems they want to solve. So I thought, okay, I'm going to ask them what problems they want to solve. So we started out with kind of a general discussion about things that Canada is facing. What you know, and they came up with things like the aging population and uh, the role of our armed forces and the future of healthcare and social programs in general and immigration and a bunch of those kinds of things. In many cases, those came from the kids' own personal lives or experiences. We have a our part of a lot of either new Canadians or or the the children of new Canadians. So there's a, a very diverse um, population. Um, and so from that, we kind of broke it out into the political, economic, social, technological, and aesthetic challenges that Canada is going to face. From there, they had to look into their, their idea. They had to write a proposal form saying, here's what I want to cover, and this is what I, I, I think we need to do. Then they had to look into the historical context and look back as far as, well, 1914, um, some of them went earlier than that, went right back to Confederation, um, which was, you know, sort of not part of the purvey of the course, but they they did it anyway. And and look at how we got where we are today, and whether that was um, the role of women, um, First Nations people, immigrants, the military, whatever. And they they went through and looked at each of those, and you know, the, sort of the 20th century. Um, the hundred years, basically, of the course, um, and you know, how did we get to where we are, and how did we get to the, to the position where the problem exists as it exists today? And then I had them think of, so what's, what are we doing right now about it? And that was sort of the current, 
um, the current policy. So they had to look at, you know, government websites and look at laws and regulations and, at, you know, a bureaucracy and whatnot that sort of governs the particular thing. And there may be some things there. Then they had to look outside of Canada and identify places where um, where this problem was being addressed in a different way. Um, alternate solutions is what we call that. And so they had to look to, you know, Australia or, you know, jurisdictions in the States or in, you know, Europe or wherever, um, and uh, sort of do a bit of a best practices thing and then talk about that. And then based on all of that research, based on their understanding of the historical context, based on their understanding of what we're doing now and what's being done elsewhere, how do we, what do we have to do to correct the problem so that in 50 years, this isn't a problem anymore? Um, we talked about them doing sort of being emphasis on uh, solutions. Uh, what are we doing that we want to continue to do? What do we? What are we doing that we need to stop doing? And then what do we want? What are we doing that we either need to enhance, you know, do more of, do a, do you know, expand a program or whatever, or modify it because it's not not as effective as it could be. But if we do this or this or make these little tweaks, the the the, the program will run better. So that was essentially what they did and in the in the process the stages where they had to they created a, a huge timeline um where they we took huge roll like a roll of paper and they rolled it out and each group had their own topic or each individual because it was either partners or um individuals and they had to um draw a timeline and then the next person drew their timeline so it matched and so on and so forth and then at the end we were able to do a, an activity where we rolled out the the um the timeline uh, in the class and they had to make decisions about what was positive and what was negative and then look at connections between why do you think all of these things were happening at the same time and kind of fleshing that that piece out um, but the objective always was where, where's the solution well how are we going to fix this and um, how, we, how do we address the issue that you have identified as something you want to see um, solved or, or Solved is probably not the right word, but but have have um, go a different way by the time we get to 2070. Uh, I made the point to them that you know in 2070 each one, like they're all it was grade tens right so they're 15 <clears throat> excuse me and um, I made the point that you know in in 50 years you're going to be 65 you're going to be retired you're going to have children and grandchildren and so what kind of a country do you want them to have and that seemed to resonate with them i was a little a little surprised but um that that point really seemed to resonate with some of them so so that was the process that we we went through and um they had to go and in many cases they had to go well outside their comfort zone and actually you know go meet people and interview people and um you know look at gov read government documents and read laws and statutes and that sort of thing to try to get a they had a head around around the you know what what the topic was so it was it was really quite rewarding to see them do it what's interesting is i did this again the second semester with a gift another gifted class uh or extended class i'm not sure what the term is now but it's i think it's e it's extended um and i did it with an academic class and the results were pretty similar um the the academics actually sort of grabbed hold of this and it was really interesting to to watch them um you know, kind of embrace it. And some of them really kind of struggled at first, but it was really, really interesting once they found their legs and they figured out what they were doing, um, which may have taken a month. Um, they just, like, they'd come in and sit down and, and you'd hear these two guys who were, you know, they're, 
you, the, the, you know, they wouldn't be what you would call academic students, right? They're, they're, these are kids who would not necessarily be engaged in a history class. Um, and they come in and without any prompting from me would suddenly be talking about their topic and, and you know, what's happening and, and the history of it. And, and we have to talk about this and we've got to get that covered. And it was like, it was one of the easiest classes to teach in a lot of ways because they just, they, you know, once they kind of, once the parameters were set, they ran with it. And, I, you know, I got to sit back and, you know, just sort of help and coach and, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that's, yeah. I just love, it's such a you know, wonderful way to demonstrate sort of the relevancy of history and how it, you know, clearly impacts these types of policies and problems that they're investigating. So I could see how that would be um, very interesting to them. Yeah. And, and, and that was, that was sort of the idea, right? Like um, we can complain about a problem or we don't like how this is done or that's done. Um, So one of the first questions I used to ask when I was a journalist, whenever I was confronted with, you know, something that didn't seem to make sense, it was always, okay, what was the rationale at the beginning when this rule, regulation, guideline, whatever, was was implemented? What was the, what was the thinking? And sometimes that thinking is still relevant, and sometimes it's not. And when you can sort of winnow that away, you know, you can then identify, okay, well, maybe we do need to change this aspect of this of this law or, or whatever. Um, and the kids were kind of doing the same, the same thing, so... Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned in the intro, another really unique aspect of this is the public component. Um, Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and the ways that students shared their work? So that was that was their idea. Um, um, Yeah. See, honestly, going into this, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. I mean, that that kind of goes without saying. Anytime you, you try something radically different or new, um, it could blow up in your face, <laughs> and I was prepared for that. Um, but by the time I got to the end, and I was reading drafts of these things, and I was talking to the kids, and they were passionate about their ideas, and and some of their ideas were quite radical, and and you know really pushing the envelope, uh, and they were so well written and so well researched and and sourced. Um, like I made the point to them. Like this needs to go beyond a history project. This this is not something that you guys should be talking about in ten years. Yeah, I did this really cool project when I was in grade ten. Whatever happened to that, you know? And um, so I said, like, this needs to get out. This needs to get out there and get into the public domain and and get people thinking about your ideas because they're really really good ideas. And so, how do you think we should do that? And I think one of the first suggestions was um, we could do a website. I'm like, okay, anybody here know how to do web- do a website? And one of the guys was like, yeah, I can do it. And somebody else was like, yeah, I can help them with that. And it was totally collaborative. And then I said, well, what's going to have to happen now is you're going to have to send all of your finished projects when you know when I signed off on them to this particular student. And you know, I would get emails from him, you know, at 10 o'clock at night saying, okay, I still don't have this one or that one. I'm still missing this person's, right? So I'd say, well, follow up with them and I'll test base with them in the morning. And, and they got them all in. And then the press conference actually was the idea for the final exam. Because the kids had been asking me all semester, how are we going to get an exam on this? And, um, you know, without giving too much away, I really didn't have any idea. <laughs> it was, uh, as it was going, I'm like, how am I going to examine, do an exam for these guys on this? Um, and I said, it's like, what do you guys want to do? You know, let's tie it in. And somebody said, well, what if we did a press conference and that's our exam? 
I'm like, done, let's do this. And so they all, they contacted the press and they contacted some of the people that they had spoken to in connection to their projects and had them come in and they, they went through and they did a presentation and they did a heck of a job. I was really, really proud of them. Um, I basically just sat at the back and, and, you know, kind of tried not to gloat. <laughs> to do something a little bit different. Um, we couldn't necessarily do the same thing. And running it with two classes, it would have been really, really cumbersome to do. Um, so we did the same idea with them getting the idea out, but they had to identify groups and individuals that would be interested in their topic, send their topic, send their report out to them, you know, with an introductory sort of email and ask for feedback. And I said, you have to submit to me everybody, like all the emails that you sent um, as part of your take-home exam. And then do then they had a reflective piece to do on their on their exam, and that worked out really well because the kids got some really interesting responses back from people, and I mean not, you know, like politicians and and you know cabinet ministers and that sort of thing. So um, a bunch of the kids actually sent their sent their uh, sent their reports directly to Justin Trudeau, which I was uh, I was I was I was half joking during the year i'm like yeah send it to the prime minister and like why not why not he's got an email send it to him and uh i think they some of them um took me up on it and and i don't know that they heard anything back but that's okay but uh but yeah it was it was really cool to see see them really take pride in their in their idea and push it forward and promote it and and i thought that was really uh really an important piece of the learning so yeah very incredible and i love that it came from the students that's just wonderful mm -hmm. um i was going to ask you if you're able to share some of the topics the students researched and the recommendations they made but i know it's it's pretty in depth so i don't know if that's difficult for you to um describe in more detail it, it, it is and, and it's pretty broad and, mm -hmm. and and to talk to talk about one you know would, would sort of ignore yeah you know four or five others yep. um just sort of in general though um they would they've looked at healthcare. they looked at technological development in canada one group looked at um and and part of not necessarily as a sort of an objective that I spoke to the class about, but individually when they were talking about their particular topic, um, my point to them was like, how do you make Canada a world leader in this area? Mm. Um, one of them, one, one pair did a thing on um, medical technology. They're both interested in getting into healthcare, being, you know, doctors or, or what have you. And um, so that's, you know, that was the, um, that was their area of interest. And so how do you make Canada a leader in this field? And so they, they created a, a series of really, really detailed um, ideas. Um, there's a, uh, in the section, one of my students uh, tackled healthcare um, and how to reduce wait times for, for patients. Um, not just wait times for patients in hospital, but wait times for surgery and that sort of thing. And his, his idea was to sort of get the federal government in, to take more of a leadership role in bringing the ministers of health together and the various stakeholders every year, once a year, and there'd be a report about wait times and, and a report about um, strategies and ideas. And, and at a conference once a year, these these health ministers share best practices and work to reduce their wait times and have clear um, objectives to, to bring down, say, a wait time for hip surgery from... Uh, and I'm just going to grab numbers here, uh, like 120 days to 60 days or something like that, right? Make make a, a real objective, which which I thought was really good. Um, uh, there was some guys that did a thing on the future of Canada's military and 
their area of interest was uh, looking at the uh, security in the Northwest Passage, um, you know, recognizing that there were you know, issues around climate change that's going to be opening up and can we turn, is that a, is that a viable international waterway? And if so, who's going, and basically it should be us and our military should be up there. So they put together this really detailed idea on, you know, buying like, um, uh, acquiring, you know, icebreakers and destroyers and those sorts of things that will monitor and patrol and using, you know, some, some pretty interesting high tech and developing, um, communities along the t- along that northern route um, in a way that would also bring about economic development to you know some of those far flung communities. A really interesting piece that they uh, that they came up with. Um, I had a couple of uh, young ladies who did a looked at um, Canada's cultural uh, well film industry basically and uh looked at the recent deal with uh netflix and sort of said can we can we expand that and and can we take things like canadian content rules as they apply to television and radio and apply them to um commercial theaters um you know can we insist that a certain number of screens actually screen a canadian film um by you know if you you want to you know have your multiplex have you know Put a Canadian film on one of those uh, on one of those screens. So some of the stuff was pretty you know, was pretty radical. Uh, there was a young one lady who um, had a very detailed discussion about um, basically shutting down the oil sands. So you know some of the stuff was pretty pretty heady, um, and they they tackled some pretty pretty good pretty good topics. So um, one of my academic students was interesting. He did a uh, um, he looked at he was he's originally from India and his he, he talked about there are there are essentially immigration brokers in India. He said he when he was there uh, visiting um, there was like two or three on every block and they all talk about how you know we can get you to Canada and and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said none of them are licensed and a lot of them are shady and sort of fly by night and there's a lot of people getting taken for an enormous amount of money. Mm-hmm. For, to essentially fill out forms, right. and so his his idea is um, to use the Canadian embassy and the power of the Canadian immigration um, customs and immigration or whatever the uh, the ministry is now um, to license those brokers to make sure that they are up to standard that they are not you know that they are um, not taking advantage of people, that they're not ripping people off, um, and um, using that as a way to um, streamline the process for uh, qualified candidates to actually get into the country. Um, you know, because it takes, it, in some cases, takes several years to come, and it takes enormous amounts of money, which many of these people don't have, um, and you know, from the standpoint of being a Canadian, does that seem fair? Does that, is that in keeping with our, what we think we should be doing kind of internationally? It was a really interesting take that, uh, that he took. And like I said, that's one of my, I was one of my academic uh, students and he did a lot of, t- had a lot of time, uh, spent a lot of time talking to like, he, he t- called the Indian embassy and he called oh his cousin, he called his cousin in India and, and his cousin sent him photographs of these things. So he could like, yeah. so, so the, the breadth of the research was actually pretty cool. So. Yeah, yeah. You can see when they can make personal connections and find something that is relevant to their life, they clearly, Absolutely. clearly went above and beyond. 
for this project. That's that deep learning, right? Like, yeah, and and they'll learning. come away and, and, and they internalize that and they'll come away going, why aren't we doing this? Yeah. You know, like, which is what I was really going for. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add about this project um, or share with anyone listening? Um, no, I think that covers everything. I mean, basically what I, what I said was, you know, in, in 50 years, you know, this is your country um, and the country of your kids and your grandchildren. I mentioned that um, we can, we can drift to wherever we end up in 50 years and be happy. We're not happy or whatever, not satisfied, I guess, with where we are, or we can set a bold pat, you know, bold course and, and put in place the, um, you know, the rules and the guidelines and whatever to, to get us there. And then when we get there, you know, you'll be really happy with what what was done. So, mm-hmm. so that was sort of the that was kind of their mandate, and they and I <laughs> explained to them what a think tank was, and um, I think they were a little scared initially, but uh, they got into it as the time went along. So, oh, they certainly did. It's uh, remarkable work, and I do encourage anyone listening to um, to check it out, and we'll provide the link to that as well. So, thanks so much, Paul, for sharing uh, a little bit more about this project with us and congratulations again on being named a finalist for this year's governor general's history award for excellence in teaching. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Canada's history podcast to learn more about the governor general's history awards to nominate a teacher or start an application. Visit canadashistory.ca slash awards. Mm-hmm.